podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hello, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and thank you for joining us here today for our podcast entitled Building a Sense of Community in Virtual Classrooms. And we are so pleased to have Dr. Rhonda Blackburn join us today. Thank you, Rhonda, for being here with us. Thank you for allowing me to do this. Great. We're thrilled to have you. Many of you may know Dr. Blackburn from the educational community as well as the distance learning community. She's been very active. She currently is the assistant provost of educational enhancement at the University of Texas at Dallas. She is also in charge of assessment, faculty development, teaching and learning, instructional technology, and distance education. She's earned her PhD from Texas A&M University in educational psychology and has been in the field of education psychology for almost 19 years. Does it feel like 19 years? Definitely not. No. (laughs) Time goes very quickly. I know. Well, I know you've done an awful lot with uh, online classes. And are you, what online classes are you doing right now? I am teaching an online course at Texas A&M called Multimedia Design for Training and Instruction. So basically, I work with people that want to be trainers in the future on how to use multimedia to do their training. Wonderful. I know a focus over the over the last couple of years has really been how to develop a sense of community in a virtual classroom. And what do you think actually builds a sense of community in a virtual classroom? I think there are two key things that starts to build that um, in the community or in the classroom or actually in any community so it can be in corporate in an organization so but two of those things is trust among the community and the responsibility those community members place in their learning and their contribution to that community. Excellent well you mentioned trust and I guess I want to make sure when we're talking about a virtual classroom when we were talking earlier you mentioned that we're not only really talking about an educational setting in a classroom K-12 or university but we could be talking about corporate America and professional development. Most definitely so this could be used for trainers for even bosses that want to create more of a community within their office And again, going back to the education can be used really in any arena to build that community. I think that's a a very important point. You mentioned a few minutes ago trust. Why do you believe you need trust within a learning environment? I believe it is very crucial within that environment. Provides students with a really good learning environment, or not even students, but employees, participants for a learning environment that is safe. Mm -hmm. And this, what I call safeness, is created through the trust of the individuals working together. So if there isn't trust, it's hard to get people to work together. 
And as we were talking about, this can be done in a classroom, in an organization, even in corporate America within a company. But if trust is not present, then many times the participants um, don't feel like they can or want to share among that group or work together. I know you just said sharing again, and you mentioned earlier sharing, you brought sharing into our conversation a number of times. Can you expound upon that a little bit more of why, why is sharing so important? I believe that it is a way to create a rich environment. The participants are able to contribute to the knowledge as a whole. So if you as the facilitator, as the teacher, as whoever you are, should be able to begin that content, the materials, the learning, but the community as a whole should be able to take that, develop it even further, and expand on it. And I think that the participants do that by sharing their experiences and expertise, and then the materials become more relevant. It gives a way to be able to apply that information to the real world because people can bring in their experience to, to be able to do that. I think that's an excellent point. There's also the issue, I know, there's, there's always a debate about responsibility. Whose responsibility it, it is? Was it the facilitator's responsibility? Is it the participants? In respect to that, what is the responsibility of the facilitator? The facilitator, which um, could be a teacher or a professor, a trainer, a boss, or a consultant, has a responsibility of developing a well-organized area with clear and intuitive interface. And I think that they create the expectations and they should be explicit, easy to find and understand. And I think it is also that person's responsibility to provide the beginning to the learning or the important things that people need to look at. But then they need to back off a little bit and let the, the participants kind of take over to be able to moderate or facilitate that by either keeping them on track or to help them expand or guide them a little bit, but allowing the participants to really grow and not stifle them on that learning. Those are some excellent thoughts and suggestions. But what about the responsibility of the participant? I believe that the participant, or as we can call it, the learner, is there to learn the material. It is their responsibility to make sure that they do the things that they need to do, if it's read or if it's to do an activity. But it is their responsibility to get that information. If they don't feel like they have enough information, it's their responsibility to go and find more. If it's asking somebody, and it could be going back and asking the facilitator, I need more information. Where can I get more information? But sometimes it's learning a new technique that they know there's an expert right there in their office or in their classroom that they could ask. So it's that person's responsibility to take the information, make it relevant to them, and help them expand now their knowledge to be able to assimilate that new knowledge into their knowledge and to figure out how they're going to use it in either their learning or in their work or mm -hmm. in their life. Have you found uh, specific tools that can be used to create this trust and to actually promote responsibility? I think that there are many, many ways to do this. But I really think the first thing that has to be understood before you can even look at tools 
is to make sure that you as a facilitator know what it is you're expecting the students, participants, individuals to get out of whatever you're doing. And so if it's just to create a better community to work in or is it because you want them to learn a specific thing. And so being able to go back, look at your goals, your learning objectives, and then go back and say, okay, now what is the best way to do this? Then you have to look at the resources that you have. And like, you know, we're using Audacity right now. It's a freeware. So now as long as students have a computer, they can use it. Do your all of your participants have the resources you need. So I think you have to look at all the different resources between you and your participants and then really looking at what you're expecting them to do. Mm -hmm. If you want them to really collaborate on a document, maybe they're putting a manual together. And so a wiki may be the best way to do it. So mm -hmm. there's you could use discussions and blogs and wikis and collaborative documents like Google Docs being able to use video conferencing or a chat room. And so I think there are lots of wonderful tools out there to use, but as long as you go back to why are you doing it and what is really truly the best way and do the people have the resources mm -hmm. to do that mm -hmm. to figure out which mm -hmm. tool to mm -hmm. use. Excellent point. Is it more difficult to build trust and responsibility in an online class versus a traditional classroom? I think that people are used to building the trust in a face-to-face -face environment, so we don't see that as a challenge. And it's a new area to do it online. Mm -hmm. um, so most people do think, oh, it's a harder thing to do. But I think if done correctly, if expectations are out there that both you and the participants know what you're supposed to do, and like I said, it's implemented right, I think you could have even a richer environment in a distance environment. But I think once people get more used to it, it'll be better. Okay. Um, I, I do think more people see it as a challenge, as an obstacle to figure mm -hmm. out, okay, now we don't see each other, or if we do, we only see each other on the computer. But trying to kind of get past the technology and that I'm sitting in my, you know, my bedroom, on my bed, in my pajamas at 3 o'clock in the morning doing this shouldn't matter. And it's where people are more comfortable. Mm -hmm. But but I think once we kind of get over that hurdle, I think it won't be as much of a, a burden, as much of an obstacle as I think we see it as that. Well, thank you very much, Rhonda, for sharing your experience and expertise. We're very thankful for you to spend today uh, with us for a little time. And I'm sure there are people who would be interested in contacting you. And I was wondering if you could share that contact information. Yes. My email address is rblackburn at utdallas.edu. And they can also get a hold of me by phone at 972-883-6963. And basically, you can actually get to go to Google and type in Rhonda Blackburn and you'll pretty much find me. So, But I would love to hear from people and I love to talk to people and exchange <laughs> ideas. It's fun. So. That's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Blackburn, for joining us. And this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association. And if you are in need of contacting me or would like to get uh, a little closer, look at USDLA, you can reach uh, both of us at www.usdla.org. 
Thank you very much. Uh, I hope you have a great day. But I Dr. also Lord. want to invite anyone for Texas DLA. I'm on the board, so it's can get you any information to that. I didn't know you were a member of the yes, Texas DLA. I'm actually going to be president for 2008-2009, and that's www.texasdla.org. So. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. it. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fishler School of Education and Human Services. The Fishler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fishler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related helping professions throughout the world.